Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bonfire Briefing Podcast. I am your host, Taylor, and uh, this episode is going to be a little different. Uh, Me and my buddy Alex were planning on recording uh, sometime today uh, just to go over the Super Bowl, UFC 284, maybe some of the other stuff going on in the the political current events realm, but he couldn't make it. And I am feeling a little under the weather myself, not feeling so great. Um, today. So, but you know, I still wanted to get an episode out. Uh, it just might be a little shorter. Um, and it's not going to have my co-host. It's, it's just me. So, uh, it's the first time that I've done that. So, um, that'll be something I really don't know. (laughs) I don't know what to expect. Don't know how this is going to go or how long it's going to be or what all I'll get into, but, um, you know, really wanted to get an episode out there. So I'm just going to pop me one of these leftover beers here that I have from the Super Bowl and uh, at least talk about some of these sports that have happened over the past weekend. Don't know that uh, having a beer like this while I'm feeling sick is the best move, but kind of just doesn't really feel like right to uh, do an episode of the Bonfire Briefing podcast uh, below the surface edition and uh, not have one. So um yeah, no, some big sporting events over this past weekend. I think I want to talk about the uh, fights first. Um, I was really, really looking forward to this pay-per-view. I mean, of course, they hyped it up this way, but, you know, the number one, number two pound-for-pound guys fighting each other, it's never happened before. you got, you know, Volkanovsky, who, you know, is is one of, if not the greatest, 145-pounder of all time taking on uh, Habib's protege, Islam, the 155 champion who just, you know, got done running through Charles Oliveira to win his belt. You know, uh, it was, you know, I I was super excited for it. There were other good fights on this card too. Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett for the the interim title was another fight that I was really looking forward to. A lot of... uh, lot of interesting talent on on a lot of this card and, and I thought the whole card was uh, pretty good I did watch um, from the very beginning I caught uh, every fight and, and uh, for the most part I, I think all of the fights were um, were pretty interesting uh, there, there are a lot of good people on the prelims that really uh, stuck out to me uh, Loma Luke Boone me uh, submitted Elise Reed which I thought was uh, a lot of fun I you know because she I can't remember who she fought. Maybe it was Lupita Godinez where she was kind of, you know, had some problems on the ground and everything like that. I'm not sure if it was that fight or not, but I I know one of her recent fights, um, she just didn't look great on the ground, which I mean, you know, you, you might expect um, her being a, you know, I think something like a like a seven time Muay Thai champion or something like that. I I might be misremembering, but uh, you know, very strong Muay Thai background. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily expect her um, to have a strong submission game, uh, but she got a submission win, and she definitely did. I mean, she looked solid on the feet. You know, you expect that going in, but for her to, you know be as impressive as, as she was put on a performance like she had and get the submission win the, the first submission win, uh, of her career is pretty exciting. And I think she's, you know, she's, she's shown a lot of talent in some of the, um, some of the other UFC fights that, that she's been in that I've seen. And I mean, really just looking forward to, uh, you know, what her UFC future has in store for her. Um, let's see someone else. That uh, actually, it was the fight right after that. It, it was the um, the the headline fight for the early prelims. Uh, Jack Jenkins beat uh, Don Shanus by decision, and I, I I wasn't super familiar with Jack Jenkins. I mean, maybe I had seen him fight one time before, but when he was, you know, they they played his music and he's making his way out to the octagon. Uh, they said something like he had broken the legs of three of his last five opponents, I believe was the statistic broken the legs of three of his last five opponents. That is a crazy sentence to drop on me during the early prelims. That is an insane thing to hear about a fighter as they're walking, you know, to the cage. I mean, we've all seen 
you know, if you've been watching MMA, you know, long enough, you've seen horrific leg breaks. You know, Anderson Silva's is fucking legendary. And I mean, it's horrific, but, you know, it's very notable. It's a very notable leg break to have happened uh, in a UFC fight. And I believe his his <laughs> the three people whose legs he broke, I believe that happened uh, outside of the UFC. Um, I think he was a Dana White contender series guy. I'm not I'm not sure. And I don't think he broke that dude's legs. But what a crazy thing. To, to to just have any and he did have thunderous leg kicks i mean it reminded me of watching some of that old school jose aldo you know when he would just really yeah i mean he he had he he was one of the real early not i mean he was one of the first guys i remember watching and just being like holy shit like that dude's leg kicks are really something else well jack jenkins leg kicks are really something else they are thunderous i mean there, there was a moment there in the fight. He threw, he threw like three leg kicks, you know, uh, in short succession, and you could see three distinct whelps on the dude's leg from where he kicked him. I mean, that that <laughs> like the effect of the leg kicks was immediate. Like you could see the whelps growing on his legs, the bruising, the swelling on the leg. Um, I mean, just some, just some monstrous leg kicks. Uh, you know, and he and he's fighting at featherweight. So these featherweight guys coming up, uh, be careful, watch out, because Jack Jenkins is going to throw some leg kicks that will rock your world. Uh, and and he and like I said, he did he did win his fight, and he and he looked good doing so. Got a real solid, um, real solid decision win. Was just, uh, I mean, <laughs> I haven't gone back and watched those fights. Where I went back and looked at his record. I haven't gone back and watched the fights. Only one of those fights is listed as, as a TKO due to leg, leg kick. So I'm a little, a little confused. Like how, you know, like how did he break their legs? Like the, he, he broke their leg and they were still able to fight on to a, a decision. Like that seems, that seems odd. Uh, I don't know, but I, but I haven't watched it. I mean, I mean, maybe they, after the fight went to the hospital, found out, you know, like a part of their leg was fractured or something. I have no idea, but I mean, I can't imagine there's just going to be a slew of people lining up to fight a guy that, you know, like there's a decent possibility <laughs> that he's going to break your leg from kicking it so hard. I mean, I wouldn't sign up to fight that guy or any of these guys for that matter. But, um, man, I mean, that's a that's a tough sell. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's you know, I don't know that you want to accept a fight against a guy who's throwing um you know, who's throwing leg kicks like that. Um, also, Cladeson Rodriguez, uh, or Cladeson Rodriguez. I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce the first name there. Uh, he, he fought on one of the later uh, prelim fights, and he came out like a bat out of hell, dude. Like, he just, he was so fast and so quick and so powerful, and he ended up getting um, the the first round TKO with about a, about a minute left, and uh, so, you know, didn't get to see too much of his work. It was, you know, it was a fight that didn't even go one full round, but he was just so quick, so fast, so powerful. And I mean, that's really the kind of stuff you want to see out of a guy. Um, they, I mean, they were fighting at a catch weight. I think Rodriguez missed weight. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to throw that charge at him if it isn't true. Uh, I'm scanning through some stuff here and I can't immediately. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was him who missed weight. So they were fighting at a catch weight cause he missed weight, but he would have, you know, they, they would have been fighting at flyweight and that, you know, I, I like seeing that out of some of those lower weight guys. Just, I mean, really coming out there, guns blazing, you know, fast, powerful, all in one, um, really got, I mean, it was just, it was just a super impressive performance and, I know that fight went on for four minutes, but it really felt like it only went on a minute and a half just just uh, just because of how fast he was going. The pace that he started off with was insane, and he just he didn't really let up until he TKO'd the guy. So um, that was a fun fight to see, uh, very, very fun performance to watch. Definitely going to have to keep an eye on him uh, and how he progresses through the flyweight division. Um <laughs> the main card is where it started to get a little funny. Um, it just, you know, the first fight between Jimmy Crute and Alonzo Menafield um, ended in a draw. 
and it ended in a draw because uh, Menafield got deducted a point for grabbing the fence there. I think, yeah, round three. Um, it was a good fight. You know, nothing wrong with that fight at all. But, like, when you start a main card with a majority draw like that, it just kind of sets a weird tone for the rest of the main card. Now, you know, thankfully, the next three fights ended with finishes so that the judges um, were not needed. Uh, but, you know, they were, I mean, I, you know, I'm going to get to the main event. I mean, that's definitely the highlight uh, of the night there, that main event. Definitely going to get to that and the judging behind it and everything. But uh, first, really just want to highlight um, Justin Taffa and Jack Della Maddalena. Uh, both look great. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Justin Taffa got a first-round knockout um, about a minute in over Parker Porter. Um, just looked like the better fighter overall. Definitely came into the fight, um, you know, just in better shape. And he, he was a little quicker. And, uh, you know, his punches were just, you know, he was landing his punches easier. Just, you know, real solid performance from him. And, um, you know, the next fight, I, I thought, because um, Randy Brown was a decent uh, size underdog against Jack Della Maddalena. And I thought there was a possibility, you know, for somebody to make a little money. I didn't bet on that fight, but you know, with those kind of odds, Randy Brown has a lot more, um, experience in the UFC. You know, he's fought a higher level of, uh, talent than Madalena has. I mean, uh, Randy Brown has wins over, uh, Francisco Trinaldo and, uh, Alex Oliveira, Brian Barberina, Mickey Gall, like th- those kind of level guys. So, you know, I was thinking that this initially might be, a bit more of a difficult fight for Jack Della Maddalena. And uh, I was wrong. I was, <laughs> I was definitely wrong. Um, he didn't knock Randy Brown out like a lot of people thought he would. He ended up getting the submission uh, from a rear naked choke on the ground, but it was still another first round finish. All four of his fights in the UFC have ended in the first round. And I don't think I'll be betting against the guy ever again. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just impressive uh, the way that he went out there and took care of business so quickly. Um, it's also fun just, you know, like after, you know, after a draw in the first fight of the main card, we had two back-to-back first-round finishes after that, and they were very impressive, you know, so shout-out to uh, Madalena and, and Justin Taffa. But, uh, yeah, I mean, let's, you know, let's go ahead and dive into these championship fights. I mean, those were really the, uh, you know, those were really the big fights of the night. Um, also, I haven't said it yet, but uh, I, you know, the tweet's still up if you want to go look at it. But I, I predicted every single fight on this card, or on, I, I did the first, I did the uh, the five fights in the main card. I predicted every single one of those fights incorrectly. Um, I mean, of of course, I couldn't have guessed a draw for the first fight. So, like, you know, I can kind of write that off as whatever. But I did proceed to just go ahead and pick uh, the losing fighter in every other main card fight. I picked Parker Porter over Justin Taffa. I picked Randy Brown over Madalena. I, and, and I picked um, Emmett over Yair Rodriguez. And of course I picked Volkanovsky over Islam, which we will talk about, but boy, I did think I thought that Josh Emmett would have a better performance uh, than he did. I mean, you know, I'm a fan of the guy. I really like the way that he fights. I, I've been a big fan of him ever since uh, he stepped in on short notice and knocked out Ricardo Lamas. That's kind of the the first really big moment of his that I remember seeing. And I've been a big fan ever since. And, you know, prior to this fight, he had put together a pretty impressive string of wins. You know, he knocked out Michael Johnson He's got wins over Dan Ige and Calvin Cater. So, you know, I, I really thought that he had a decent chance to to beat Yair Rodriguez in this fight. Um, and, and, you know, Yair Rodriguez, I mean, outside of uh, the Ortega fight, which, you know, you'll remember Ortega had that shoulder injury. Uh, other than that, he has not had a win in the UFC since 2019 against Jeremy Stevens. So it's been, it's been some time since we've seen Yair Rodriguez really put on 
a good, strong, dominant performance against, you know, some someone else in the 145 division. So, and, and Emmett was the underdog too. And I, you know, I just thought that, I thought that there was a real possibility there uh, for Josh Emmett to upset the odds makers and, and, and walk away with the interim uh, championship. And, and I was wrong, just, just like I was with every fight before then. I was also wrong about this one. Josh Emmett kind of just got his ass beat. That's really the best way that I can describe what happened um, in the in the two rounds that the fight went on. Uh, there was there was a, a brief moment there, I believe, in the first round where Josh Emmett, I don't think he got a takedown, but he ended up on top of Yair Rodriguez, and uh, he he didn't do all that much with it. But that was the most success that he had had in the fight up to that point. I mean, he was getting torn apart. On the feet. I mean, Yair Rodriguez kicks as often as he punches, and he's equally, you know, deadly with both. And I mean, he was just piecing him up on the feet. I mean, Josh Emmett was really just not, you know, I, you know, he 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 just didn't really have an answer on the feet. But he had that that brief moment there in the first round where he was on top, you know, maybe landed a little ground and pound. It just it looked better than what had been happening for the previous four minutes of the fight or whatever it was. So I thought, oh, you know. Maybe it'll be cool. Maybe, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Josh Emmett will, you know, he'll mix in a takedown or something and, and really use some of that ground game to his advantage. And, um, it, no, he got submitted with a triangle choke so that it didn't work. <laughs> my, my advice uh, to him would not have been good advice. It just did not clearly, it just did not work. I mean, clearly, you know, Rodriguez was, um, you know, he was the better fighter that night and he, you know, he, he walked away with the interim title. Um, man, I feel like Yair has been chasing that title shot for, for quite some time. I mean, he won the ultimate fighter in 2014, it looks like, you know, and, and I mean, he's beaten, you know, good opponents since then. I mean, we mentioned Ortega, it was an, uh, you know, it was an injury, but you know, he beat Jeremy Stevens and Korean zombie and, BJ Penn, Bruce Leroy, Dan Hooker. Like he's got some, some really good names on his way up to the top. And his only two losses in the UFC have been to, to Max Holloway and then a doctor stoppage against Frankie Edgar, you know, but nothing, nothing to be ashamed of right there. I mean, just a real solid resume he's put together. And I, I feel like he's been one fight away from, a, uh, a potential title shot for the past couple of years now. Of course, there have been things keeping him out of the octagon and whatnot. Um, but he, it does look like he is finally going to get that 145 title shot that he's been chasing for so long. And um, if slash when he ends up fighting Volkanovski, have to imagine that it, it, you know, it will happen at some point. But, uh, yeah, depends on what they do after that main event. I mean, let's you know, let's talk about that main event because I know a lot of people have some different um, controversial, or, you know, have some different opinions on it. They think it was controversial. I've heard people say it was a robbery. I've I've heard all this and that. Sorry for the long pause there. I had to I had to cough. Um, but yeah, let's dive into this main event um watching it i now i've not re-watched it i know some other people have re-watched it and may you know it changed their opinion of the fight or whatever i've only seen it the one time i watched it live after having uh, a number of drinks so you know take that as you will but i thought after the fight had ended that islam was up three two that he had won three rounds to volkanovsky's two you know, and I, I expected that he would get his hand raised um, after the fight, and he did. And, I, you know, I saw some people on the Internet that kind of took issue with that. I know um, Joe Rogan had a fight companion. He had on Eddie Bravo, Brendan Schaub, um, and uh, Brian Callen. I, I didn't I – didn't, I, I listened to their reaction, but I, I did not watch the fight companion itself. I mean, they were – they were 100% convinced that Volkanovski had won that fight by the end of it. And I've seen some other people have similar opinions. You know, they really thought that, uh, you know, Volkanovski had the, he had the strong fifth round. He dropped Islam, got on top of him, landed some ground and pound, much like the ground and pound we saw um, throughout the whole rest of the fight. And a lot of people thought that um, apparently that that strong performance there 
um, at the end of the fifth round would win him the fight. And I mean, I think it won him the round, but the only other round that I had scored in Volkanovsky's favor was three. Um, and I, and I, I think I tweeted after the third round that I had Islam up two one, and I, the third is the round that I gave him. I, it was the closest up to that point. I thought it was the closest round of the fight, uh, so far. I think the first two rounds were just kind of dominated by Islam's grappling. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll say this about Islam because I am going to say a whole lot of, you know, great things about Volkanovsky, but uh, Islam striking is pretty good, man. I will say, uh, I know a lot of people have, you know, kind of said that that's a weakness in his game. And I mean, obviously it's not as good as his grappling cause it's fucking, you know, his wrestling is tremendous, but, uh, his striking looked pretty good, man, particularly his counter striking. Like he, he was not, he was not getting outclassed there on the feet. You know, like I feel like some people might have expected, you know, I feel like a lot of people saw this as, you know, Islam has the advantage on the ground. Volkanovsky has the advantage on the feet. Um, and I, you know, I just, I think, I think both fighters kind of disproved that notion. Um, now, not that those two guys didn't have an advantage in those areas, just that the, the advantage was not as large as people thought it, thought it would be. Islam held his own on the feet, but he didn't have as much success on the ground, uh, as he was expecting to have clearly. You know, he kept attacking submissions regularly throughout the fight. I know that, you know, that style of fighting, I've heard, you know, some people say that they think Islam was, you know, he was fighting to not lose. And I, I don't know that that's necessarily an unfair comparison, but he was trying for a choke every time he got um, Volkanovsky's back. You know, he, he, he was trying to submit him. You know, I don't think, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that he felt like he really had that, uh, that fight in the bag. I, I listened to uh, Volkanovsky went on Ariel Hawani's show today, and he said that like a, I think it was after the after the fight was over, after the fifth round, like Islam went back to his corner, and they weren't they weren't a hundred percent sure that they had that one in the bag. They thought they might have lost it, and you know it doesn't really make sense to just kind of lay on the ground and stall if you think you're behind. I mean, he definitely was not. You know, I, I I don't think I don't think his game plan was to go in there and just stall on the ground and hope he wins a decision. Like he was actively trying to submit Volkanovski. It just turns out that submitting Volkanovski is really really hard, and we know this from the Brian Ortega fight. I mean, Ortega locked in two beautiful submissions against Volkanovski. Submissions that would have made anyone else tap, anyone else, man. And he somehow, some way. <laughs> some shape form don't know how he got out of them yeah so i mean we we knew that I, you know there were there there were people out there tweeting they, they thought islam was just going to run through him was going to take him down submit him and it just wouldn't be a problem and it's like man i didn't think that i thought there was a possibility that islam was able to take him down and submit him sometime throughout the fight i didn't think it was going to be instantaneous i mean I mean, we all watched the Brian Ortega fight. We, we saw that it's not easy. And I understand that Islam is, you know, he, he's a he's a better grappler and everything like that than Ortega. But it was never going to be an easy task to just walk in there and get rid of Volkanovsky. And it, and it wasn't, man. He held his own on the ground. He didn't get submitted. He, you know, he, he found ways to work himself back up to his feet and to fight off these submissions and take advantage of, of the the little top time that he had to land some ground and pound and just kind of stay out of harm's way. I mean, he really, he just, you know, he, he showed that he is one of, if not the best fighter in the UFC right now. He really did prove it. Um, and it's, it's gotta be one of the most impressive losing performances I've ever seen. I mean, look at, uh, look at the online community after the fight. I mean, everyone has such high praise for Volkanovski and how well he did moving up a division, taking on the challenge, everything like that. I mean, you know, can can you even think of another loss where a fighter's stock has risen, you know, so much since the loss? I mean, it, it really is. It, it was impressive. It was just super, super impressive. I mean, I saw people on Twitter before the fight, like, there were people that were ridiculing other people that were picking Volkanovski to, to win. 
They were like, I have no idea why you would pick Volkanovsky. It doesn't make any sense. Islam's a great grappler. He's the 155 champ. He's looked unbeatable so far. Well, he didn't look unbeatable last night. In fact, he looked like if they had to go another round that Volkanovsky would have taken it. And he would have. If there was a sixth round, there's not really any question in my mind that Volkanovsky would have been able to to get the job done. I mean, Islam looks spent after those five rounds. He, I mean, Volkanovsky really put him through it. You know, he really pushed him to the limit in a way that I don't think a lot of people expected. And you just got to, you know, you just got to tip your hat off to him. You really do. It was an awesome performance. Now, the big question is, what happens next? Um, what happens next? And I'll, I'll kind of talk about that with, um, I'll do it. With, well, I'll do it because some of these guys are kind of easy to figure out. I'll do it with four guys. Uh, Yair Rodriguez, Josh Emmett, Islam, Volkanovsky. For Yair, the, the answer is obvious. You know, he's the interim champ. Um you know, you just kind of sit around and wait and see what Volkanovsky is going to do. Um, because I, and you know, I'll, I'll discuss this in, in depth a little more, but, uh, they're, they're already talking about doing a rematch between Volkanovsky and Islam, nothing official, of course, but I know Islam is, uh, according to Volkanovsky, Islam has expressed interest in it. The UFC, uh, it, it has some interest in it. And Volkanovsky himself has confirmed that he is very interested in it. So, um, you know, so I think, you know, for Yair, the game plan is simple. You just sit and wait. You coast it out, wait until Volkanovsky makes up his mind with uh, what he's going to do. And you just, you know, you just chill until then. Um, Volkanovsky mentioned something about Yair maybe defending the 145 title um, if the rematch with Islam does happen. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not, I guess I'm not opposed to that. It's just kind of weird, you know. I mean, I, I know... I know Hannon Burrell defended the interim belt at least one time. Uh, I can't really remember anyone else doing it. That doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but I just can't really, I can't think of who that might be off the top of my head. It would be kind of weird, um, but, you know, whatever. I mean, it, you know, if Yair feels like he can, you know, win the matchup, make a little money, you know, stay active. I mean, staying active is a big part of the game, but, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I kind of. Yeah, I think the most likely path there is he just waits for Volkanovski to come back down. And I mean, they might have Volkanovski fight Yair Rodriguez. You know, maybe they'll match Islam up with somebody else before the Volkanovski rematch takes place. Who knows? Um, for Josh Emmett, I think the uh, you know it's a, it's a little more tricky. There's there's matchmaking involved and everything like that. There are some big fights for the 145 division coming up soon. Um, I had them written down somewhere, but I can't seem to find them. I know Holloway and uh, Allen is happening. I, I can't remember when, but I know, fairly soon, I believe. Like within the next two months, I think uh, they're going to be fighting one another. That's going to be a fun fight. Um, you know, and, and I mean, I think, you know, well, it's kind of hard to imagine Holloway getting a 145 title shot again, especially if Volkanovski is the champ. But, I mean, can you imagine if Arnold Allen beats the Holloway? I mean, he'll have... You know, I imagine he'll have a lot to say uh, if that happens. But Josh Emmett, you know, he's coming off of a loss and, you know, um, a loss in an interim title fight, you know, just didn't really go his way. But, you know, I imagine that he wants to stay kind of in that in that top five, top ten, you know, or title contender consideration, you know. So there are a couple other guys in the 145 division that are coming off a loss, they need a little something. And I, I and he, the, these are the guys that I kind of had in mind. Like Brian Ortega, you know, he's uh, coming off the, um, what is it, the fight against, oh, yeah, the fight against yeah, year. Injured his shoulder there. I think he's good now. I think he was tweeting out something uh, last night about the winner of, of the year josh fight. But, you know, he's he's coming off a loss. He needs a bounce back. Uh, when uh, Giga Chikadze is another name that I've seen thrown around there. I think that matchup would be a lot of fun. I think, I think stylistically they would clash in a very, very fun way. Um, I, th that's probably my preferred option. I think, I think I would like to see that fight maybe more than the others. 
Um, another guy that I threw on here that I think that I, you know, I like this matchup less than the other two, I think. Um, we also don't know exactly what this guy is going to do uh, moving forward, but Korean Zombie. Um, you know, he, he said after the fight uh, with, with Volkanovsky, you know, it's kind of hard for him to tell like what he's going to do next. You know, he said something like, you know, if I'm not fighting for the title, why am I fighting? He's going to have to reevaluate. So, I mean, we don't really know where, you know, Korean zombies head is at. I mean, you know, he, I mean, he might keep fighting and he might, he might keep fighting high level guys like, like Josh Emmett, or, you know, he might opt to fight, maybe fight out the rest of his contract. I don't know how many fights he has, but maybe he wants to take some fun fights, a little less, a uh, little less high level competition. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think I like that matchup a little less uh, than the other two, but I, I think if I could make one of those fights, I think it would be really fun to watch Josh Emmett face uh, Giga Chikadze. I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, we've kind of already gone over Volkanovsky. Um, I, I, again, I feel like his path forward is pretty simple too. I mean, he has, you know, in my mind, he has two options. You know, you're either going to fight Islam Makachev again, or you're going to go back down to 145 and fight Yair Rodriguez. I mean, those are the only two paths forward. And, you know, I am, I'm always a guy that's, you know, hesitant when, when instant rematches happen. Now I, you know, I think there are situations where it's warranted, like, um, you know, like I'm not mad at Usman, you know, fight, fighting, uh, Edwards again, you know, I'm not mad at, um, Izzy fighting Pereira again for the belt. I'm not mad at that. You know, like if a guy has held the belt for a while, defended it multiple times, you know, it, you know, it doesn't make the least amount of sense to just go ahead and book a rematch, but this one's, it's, it's a little different because you do have an interim champ there uh, waiting for Yair at 145. So, you know, it would kind of, it well, I mean, honestly, it would kind of be a big middle finger to him and the division if they, uh, rebook the Volkanovski Islam fight immediately, but the uh, the fight was so close. You know, I, I could see it, and like I wouldn't hate it. I'm you know I'm, I'm saying I'm I'm usually critical of instant rematches, and I understand that maybe on the face it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, to do an instant rematch between those two. But man, that fight was so close, and uh, they both talked about it too. Um, I, I know Islam tweeted out something like, just rewatch the fight. Volkanovsky only won one minute of 25. And that's, <laughs> that's a crazy take. <laughs> Definitely not true. Crazy take. And uh, Volkanovsky was on Ariel Hawani's show. And he said he thought he won three rounds. I think he said the second round, the third round, and the fifth round, he thinks he won. And I've seen other people say that they thought uh, Volkanovsky won the last three rounds. Now, I mean, watching it live, I definitely didn't think he won the second round. The fourth round I felt like was close because I think that was the round where Islam had his back, but Volkanovsky was punching him, you know? So it was just kind of like, I, you know, you know, you can like, I mean, it, it's really control versus damage. And I mean, I guess damage is supposed to be the number one thing, but you know, I don't know. I would hate to be a judge. I would, <laughs> it would be terrible. The pressure, everything like that, it would be awful. I'd hate to be a judge, but they both feel like they, you know, won the fight. Very, you know, fairly clearly too. Think they won. I mean, Islam thinks he dominated, which is wild. But Volkanovski thinks he won three rounds out of five. So, and it, it was such a close fight. You know, if like I said, I watching live, I thought Islam had won. If they had raised Volkanovski's hand, if they if if he had won instead, I would not be saying it was a robbery. It was criminal, nothing like that. I mean, it, I would just be like, well, you know, I, you know, I had it differently, but it was a really close fight. Um, I would not be mad at them rescheduling it at all. I just, I wouldn't. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I've, it's been a while. I feel like since I've been that excited for like, uh, like a UFC main event. I mean, I'm always excited for championship fights and and even big fights that aren't title fights. But I mean, this was really. You know, I mean, like, like I said, this was number one and number two, pound for pound, going at it for the 155 strap. You know, it was hard not to get excited for this fight. So if they wanted to run this one back later this year, I would not really uh, have any opposition to that. Now, the question with Islam is, 
if, if they're not going to do the Volkanovsky rematch immediately next for him, what are they going to do in the meantime? I think there are a couple of uh, options here. Um, there, there are some massive fights in the 155-pound division coming up this year, and most of them are coming up uh, fairly quickly, like within the next couple of months. Uh, we've got Gaethje and Fiziev coming up, and uh, Oliveira and Darius are fighting. So, I mean, these, these are massive, massive fights with heavy implications in the 155 division. And we also have, I didn't even, I, da- I damn near forgot about it. We have Michael Chandler and Conor McGregor fighting at the end of the year, I assume, because that's, I, I think uh, their ultimate fighter season ends, uh, I think it ends in August. So, you know, you assume they're going to fight sometime around there. That's going to be crazy. It's going to be at 155. I, there was some confusion. I think maybe some people had initially announced that it was going to be uh, at 170, but it is going to be at 155. Now, uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Oliveira and Dariush is going to take place in May, and uh, Gaethje Fazeev is going to take place next month in March. Um, so they're, they're not going to wait until Chandler McGregor uh, – you know, to have Islam fight somebody, they're definitely going to have him fight somebody before then. Now, you better believe if Conor McGregor finds a way to beat Michael Chandler, he he will be next. <laughs> you know, whatever Islam does between now and then, what whoever is holding the 155-pound belt, if Conor McGregor beats Michael Chandler, McGregor will be fighting for that 155 belt. There's absolutely no question. Does he deserve it? Oh, no. But will he be fighting for that title if he beats Michael Chandler? Absolutely. Should be no question in anyone's mind. But they're not going to wait that long anyway. So I think, um, you know, I, I think they could do the winner of Gaethje and Fiziev. Um, especially, you know, it's coming up real quick. I mean, we'll have a winner from that fight uh, next month. I, I think that'll be a lot of fun. I think it's a, it's a pretty big step up for Fiziev. I mean, definitely the the, the hardest guy he's had to fight. And I've always thought that Gaethje posed in, you know, as far as the current 155 pound fighters go, I've, I've always thought that Gaethje would be one of the most dangerous for somebody like, uh, somebody like Islam, even though he got submitted by Habib and everything like that. Like he does have good takedown defense. Um, and you know, he's got a wrestling background. He's just, he's got a style that I think might get Islam some problems. So, you know, if Gaethje was to win that fight, I could see them book, booking Islam and Gaethje um, or, or Islam and Fiziev if, if Fiziev ends up winning. Um, the Oliveira-Dariush fight is interesting. Dariush is another guy that I, I think his skills on the ground, I think he could be really problematic for a guy like Islam. You know, I think he really could. Like if Dariush beats Charles Oliveira, uh, he'll have a pretty strong case to make for why he should be fighting for the 155-pound title. Now, if if Oliveira wins that fight, you know, I, I think it is going to be hard to justify giving him another title shot considering how quickly, you know, he got submitted. Um, so, you know, it's kind of hard for me to see that. But if Dariush ends up getting the win there, I could definitely see them giving Dariush the title shot. He tweeted something out earlier today something like uh, the UFC must be waiting for me to retire or something like this, something about getting older and, you know, they must be waiting for me to retire. They don't want to give me a title shot, something like that. It, it was really good. Um, but I could, I could see that um, hard to imagine Oliveira getting the title shot or uh, Dustin Poirier. He, he tweeted out something earlier today asking what's next at 155, and he doesn't have a fight lined up. Uh, you know, he is coming off of a couple wins over Conor McGregor. So, you know, I mean, would it? I don't think it would be that crazy for them to book Islam and, um, and Poirier. I'm a big Poirier guy. I'd love to see it. It would be a lot of fun. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know that I'd be betting on uh, Poirier uh, to win that fight. I also said he was coming off. Uh, some wins over Conor McGregor. He absolutely is not. I'm living in damn 2021. No, he's coming off a win over Michael Chandler. Uh, 
you know, and I mean, that's, you know, it's not, I mean, he's got a good resume. It just, it sucks that he's already fought for the title a couple of times and lost, but he's got as good of a resume as anyone else in 155 has. He doesn't have anybody lined up. He's coming off of a pretty big win over Michael Chandler. You know, I don't think it's impossible that they give this title shot to Dustin Poirier and they have Islam fight Poirier. They have Volkanovsky fight Yair. And then after all the dust is settled, maybe they rebook Volkanovsky and Islam if they're still both uh, the champions. And I imagine, you know, I imagine there's a strong possibility of them remaining the champs and remaining the number one and two pound for pound guys. Um, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I, I think it would make sense. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I'm a big Poirier guy, so I'd like to see it. Um, yeah, that would be something. I, I think that's those are kind of the situations we're looking at uh, going forward for the 145 and 155-pound and, and divisions. Um, throat's starting to get a little sore. I've rambled on about a UFC 284 for about 40 minutes. I, I'll talk briefly about the Super Bowl and then uh, – probably close this thing out. Um, oddly enough, I, I predicted every single main card fight wrong, but I predicted the Super Bowl right. I did not predict the score because I think, I don't know, I'm not, you know, I'll throw out who I think is going to win a game, but I never attach a score to it because it's just, it's also arbitrary. Like you're just, you're just making up numbers and attaching it to a game. Now you don't know. You know, I mean, why, why do you, you know, like if somebody said that they thought the Chiefs were going to win 30 to 20. Well, why not 30 to 23? Why not 30 to 26? You know, I just, I don't know. I think it's a little, little ridiculous, but I did say that I thought the chiefs were going to win a close high scoring game. That's what I predicted. And I was correct. 38 to 35. I nailed it. I, 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 I fucked up every fight prediction I had for Saturday, but nailed the Super Bowl. Now, I mean, the big thing that everyone is talking about with the Super Bowl is the call at the end, which I think really sucks, man, because it had been it had been such a uh, a great game. It had been great. One of the you know, one of the best Super Bowls that I can remember seeing in recent memory. I mean, it was really good. I, I think that's what you want in a Super Bowl. You want two high level teams, you know, having a close game, scoring a bunch of points and uh you know, that's, that's what it was. And, and boy, the Chiefs looked like they were in trouble there for a minute. Yeah, I was not super confident in my, uh, in my prediction after, uh, after those first two quarters. They, they were not looking so hot. But the Chiefs did get their shit together. They rallied the troops. They came back, scored uh, 24 points in that second half, I think, to finally seal the deal. Now, everyone's talking about that, that holding call at the end. Holding call was fucking nonsense. It was terrible. It sucks that a holding call like that happened at such a crucial moment in the game. You know, I mean, it cost the the Eagles however many seconds left on the clock, and the Chiefs very well might have won anyway. You know, that's that's a very real, you know, possibility. Honestly, you know, at that point, it's probably a likely possibility that they still would have won anyway. But it just sucks that there was a bad hold call like that one. So we we just you know we we won't know for sure. And I mean, you know, I, I don't even, you know, and, and, you know, credit to the Eagles players. A lot of them got in front of microphones and cameras after the loss and they, they weren't making any excuses. I, I think even one of them said they, I think one of the Eagles players was like, no, it was a hold. They made the right call. And I'm like, man, <laughs> you know, I mean, hats off to you for being, you know, being noble and everything like that. But man, it was a weak holding call. But, um, you know, they're right. You know, I mean. You know, you have you have four whole quarters to play your best football possible. And, um, you know, one bad call at the end does suck. But, you know, like they said, you know, you got to put yourself in a situation where a call like that won't won't screw you out of a game. Also, something else that I think you know probably impacted the game more overall was that shit turf they had. Yeah, those players were slipping and sliding all over the place. There was there's literally a play. I, I, you know, I, I couldn't describe it in enough detail to make any sense, but uh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes like dropped back to throw the ball, and there were like four people just slipped and fell. And all he did was drop back to throw. I think he slipped. I think a receiver slipped. I think maybe some linemen slipped. Like just it's like a damn slip and slide out there. It's just ridiculous. I don't know how. I don't know how you have the you have the biggest game 
in in America all year. You have the biggest game. This is like the game. Everybody's watching. Even people who hate football are watching. This is the biggest thing we Americans have. I know no one else in the rest of the world cares, but we care, goddammit. We care. And I don't know how you end up with turf that bad. How do you, you know, God knows how much money they spend on getting that turf right just for players to go out there and slip all over the place on it. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's not something that should be happening. It shouldn't be happening in any NFL game like that, but it damn sure shouldn't be happening in the Super Bowl. I mean, you want to look at something that, you know, I mean, it had to have had an effect on all the players out there. I mean, they all had to play on it. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, you know, whatever. I'm just saying that, you know, it, it was bad and it shouldn't have happened. Everybody had to play on it. So it was an equal playing field, you know, unlike the the holding call at the end, which, you know, greatly benefited the Chiefs. But, you know, having bad turf like that is is not something that should be a thing uh, during the Super Bowl of all places. You figure they would get that shit together. Um, yeah, but it, it was a, it, it was a great game nonetheless. And, you know, the thing is, um, I, I'm sure, I'm sure Eagles fans are, are beyond pissed and they're not happy about it and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, when people go back and they look at this Super Bowl, all they're going to see is the score. You know, they're not going to remember, oh, the turf suck. They're not going to remember about the bad holding call or there were, there were some other, I think, questionable calls during the game, but People, you know, when when people look back at the Super Bowl, they don't remember any of that. There's no need to attach an asterisk to it. Anybody who's out there saying like, "Oh, the you know, you know, the Chiefs won a ring and they didn't," any anybody saying any stuff like that can get out of here. It's just not, you know, we, yeah. You could find a you could find problems with every game if you wanted to. If you wanted to nitpick games, you could find a reason that whoever won shouldn't have won. But at the end of the day. You know, it, it was the Chiefs coming back, pulling together, Patrick Mahomes making things happen. Um, shout out to Jalen Hurts, though. I think a lot of people, a lot of people that I know personally anyway, are just not sold on Jalen Hurts yet. I don't really know how much more they need to see. It's very infuriating to talk to them. They just, you know, they I, I don't know. I've seen people put Jalen Hurts at like the bottom of a top 10 quarterbacks list. And I, I think that's crazy. I mean, to not, I, you know, especially after last night, you know, he, uh, you know, he did real well. He had the most rushing yards on his team. He had over 300 passing yards. Uh, yeah, I think people start got to start putting some respect on his name. He, he led his team to a Super Bowl and he damn near won. He got within three points of winning. You know, if that doesn't make, uh, you know, we should, we should be talking about Jalen Hurts like he's a top five quarterback. We should have been doing that already. But we, we definitely have to moving forward. He put on a hell of a performance. I really like the guy. He's a lot of fun to watch. I really like mobile quarterbacks and things like that. And I mean, it's, you know, he, he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and it's clear that Philadelphia has, you know, invested a lot of uh, time, resources into building a system that works for him and and the, the talent, the weapons that he has around him. Um, you know, I mean – Devonta Smith, AJ Brown, you know, I, you know, I like the Titans too. And, you know, it sucks that AJ Brown isn't on there anymore, but I did get to watch him have a, a very good game in the Super Bowl. So that's fun. Dallas Goddard, I think, you know, had a, had a phenomenal game, you know, just I, every, everything seemed to be rolling really well with the Eagles, except for, you know, how things ended up there at the end, but they all put on a great performance. Um, it was really a great Super Bowl. I was, you know, I mean, there have been some there have been some mediocre Super Bowls out there. There have been some damn right boring Super Bowl uh, Super Bowls uh, that I've seen, but this one was a lot of fun. You know, it sucks that there was a bad call at the end, but whatever. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and I'm glad at least one of my predictions from this past uh, <laughs> this past weekend worked out. So yeah, I'm probably going to wrap it up here. I mean, I know it, it's been very sports heavy. Um, I haven't gotten into any of the current events and political stuff that's gone on over the past, uh, really just over this weekend. I mean, we're, you know, there's, <laughs> there's aliens, there's train derailments, there's maybe the biggest, uh, environmental disaster in us history happening in, in East Palestine, Ohio. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm feeling under the weather. Um, my throat's sore and I've been rambling on for about 50 minutes here. So 
might have to address all of that stuff uh, with my buddy Alex next week uh, whenever he is available and I'm no longer sick. Also, uh, for those of you that have listened this far, I just wanted to drop a little little news uh, on you. I don't know, you know if you if you remember this guy, you'll you'll have been a fan of the podcast for quite some time. But Tommy Brown the Third, that I talked to months ago, he was running for county commissioner in uh, Washington County, Indiana. Um, I I, t- I I can't remember when exactly I talked to him, but I talked to him like a long while back. Um, we've been DMing back and forth. Uh, he's running for mayor there in, uh, I believe Salem, Indiana, I believe is where he's running for mayor in this cycle, this year, this November, he will be on the ballot again. And like I said, we've been DMing back and forth. I'm going to have him back on the show at some point within the next week or two. Um, and I'm super excited to talk to him again. He will be the first guest, uh, that's come back onto the show other than, other than my friend that I do a you know fairly regular podcast with. He'll be the uh, first guy uh, to come back to do a, to do a second sit down. So very excited for that. Very excited to hear what he has to say about the mayoral race there in Salem, Indiana. So, you know, there's a little something to look forward to also. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, might have to bring my buddy on to talk about the, uh, the impending UFO invasion and everything else that's gone on over the weekend, but, uh, we'll see. We'll, I, I'll, I'll uh, iron out some details on some things later this week and uh, let you guys know when I can. But if you've listened this far, thank you so much for sticking through uh, my first solo episode. Never recorded an episode without a guest. Um, and uh, let, uh, let me know how I did. You know, re- uh, reply to the tweet on Twitter, shoot me a DM, whatever. Um, you know, I mean, do do I need a guest? Am I too rambly? <laughs> you know, should, should I always try to have a co-host with me or, or is a, uh, a solo podcast, something you guys might want to see uh, more of. Um, just, yeah, let me know. Shoot me a DM, uh, shoot me an email, re- uh, reply to post on Twitter, and uh, that's it. Thank you guys for listening to the Bonfire Briefing Podcast, and uh, have a good night.